Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six and Flow. Thanks for tuning in. tuned in to episode five of middle movers and today i have with me sarah pion from alice she's a brand marketing manager there welcome sarah thanks for having me we're big fans of you over here at six and flow so this is great that i get to be the one to have this conversation with you the feeling is very mutual i love the six and flow team lovely lovely um so yeah just to get things started here and kind of break the ice a bit would love you could give the audience three fun facts about yourself um yes okay so three fun facts fun fact number one i have sang the national anthem at fenway park in boston i was not alone Uh, my fifth grade chorus actually uh got to sing and i made it onto the jumbotron so i think i peaked in fifth grade that was pretty cool um i got to get like pulled i was at sleepaway camp and I got to get pulled out of camp that day and like driven to Boston and then I had to go back but that was that was a very cool day um another fun fact I'm one of three girls and I am the middle child and I'm very close to my two sisters uh, and my family all looks very similar we were once like walking through the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens in New York City Mm -hmm. and we literally heard someone (laughs) talk about us they went talk about a family resemblance so (laughs) We are very related looking. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> and then a third fun fact about me. Um, this may this may be polarizing, but I don't heat up my leftovers. I'll just take something straight out of the fridge and just eat it because I love eating so much that I'm not very picky and I just want the I would just want to be able to eat as quickly as I can once I get the thought in my head that I want food. And so I just don't heat up my leftovers. And my boyfriend takes offense to that he hates that about me oh my well hate is very strong so <laughs> i'll let y'all sort that out um but i don't think it's only semi-polarizing because it depends what the leftovers are in my oh, head but i guess in your case it doesn't matter it's all of them <laughs> that's amazing do you have a favorite food that's totally side question but do you have a favorite food um like a, an 11 year old boy my favorite food is pasta uh any kind i love so much pasta it's very versatile and like so filling you can put so much stuff in it it's never bad it's like one of those things that's very hard to make bad but also really hard to do outstanding but like you're always gonna have a pretty good bowl of pasta it's true it's honestly the go-to if you're just like you don't know what to make like most people right. have some noodles on hand and you can just kind of get creative with it so i can support that <laughs> that's totally fine and then for you know what you do during the day besides eating cold leftovers um what (laughs) why don't you tell us a bit about um like what you're doing currently at alice in your role yeah so my role at alice is a little bit flexible there are seven of us on the marketing team right now so uh we're a small but scrappy and just like get shit done kind of team uh so my my current title is brand marketing manager, brand content manager. Uh, and that kind of 
embodies the distribution and promotion of content, whether that's okay. content that I've created or someone else has created. Generally, I'm responsible for making sure that people see it. <laughs> uh, and so that comes with uh, social media and repurposing some of our content for social channels. So we okay. really get the most out of the content. We don't just promote it once and then never talk about it again. We kind of try and um, position the content in a few different kinds of ways so that people end up getting it uh, once mm -hmm. we're done promoting it, which is really fun. I also um, am responsible for our customer appreciation and recognition program called Alice All Stars, which is Ooh. the most fun that I get to have on a regular basis because at Alice, we're all about the five to nine. So what you do outside of work that makes you a whole person, because I'm not just the persona of marketing manager. Right. I also don't heat up my leftovers and I'm a middle child and all that fun stuff. Right. Um, and so I get to have these sit down conversations with Alice customers and just ask them ridiculous questions. Like what was your first screen name? And uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? And how did you meet your childhood best friend? And then we do like a fun social feature about them. And now we That's have awesome. this community of all stars who we know each other on like a personal level and not just a professional level. And that mm -hmm. is just, those are, that's like the highlight of my week when I get to have all-star conversations. Um, and so that customer advocacy program has kind of evolved into me helping on the demand gen side uh, for our current customers as well. So wow. creating content and programs directed to our successful and not as successful customers to try and engage with them, uh, help them better understand the product, and then also eventually have them like renew and expand their usage of Alice. So wow. busy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you have. That's cool though, like that you have so much variety in your role. I think that's really important, especially now more than ever, just to like be able to change up what you're doing every day when it feels a bit like an ep like we're watching or living in the Truman Show at times. <laughs> yes. So that's really great to hear. I have two things to, that I have to know, spinning off of what you said. First is what was your first screen name? My <laughs> first screen name <laughs> was. <laughs> Sports girl, but G R L. Oh, no okay. vowels in that one. Okay. Uh, five five seven, and I think the five five seven was just generated from like A I M or something. But now that is my go to combination of numbers whenever I have to add like numbers to the end of something like a Slack username or like an email or like a login for a specific thing. It's always five five seven. Okay, now we all know. Yep. <laughs> nice. And the second thing I'd love to know is. Um, like when you're doing the customer advocacy conversations um, and then when it comes to like promoting it maybe on social or, you know, kind of reusing that content, what's like your social channel of choice if you had to pick one? If the rest were to go away, like what's the one that you think works best for that and that you enjoy creating content for? For the um, Alice brand, I think that that would be LinkedIn. We have a most of our followers on LinkedIn and uh, have the most engagement with our community on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, personally, I would say Twitter because I think okay. LinkedIn is very, is very homogeneous content. You really get just the same content over and over again. Mm -hmm. Twitter, you can get political updates, three memes and marketing advice all within the same screen. And I just, as, an, as someone with ADHD, love that I can switch what I'm thinking about and focusing mm -hmm. on uh, within seconds of each other. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with LinkedIn, but I think it's, be I forget what the stat is, but I feel like it's only 
like not a lot of people take advantage of actually posting on LinkedIn. So I feel like that's why it's so much of the recycled content that you see like over and over, which is fine mm-hmm. if it's good. But then sometimes, yeah, it just like feels out of place or I'm like, I saw this like three months ago. How is it still relevant? Why am I still <laughs> seeing it on my homepage? <laughs> right. So I definitely agree with you there. Like I love the switch up of Twitter and it's like, it's so easy to take in so much because of the way it's designed with like such kind of snippet information. So I definitely appreciate that. Now going back into the archives a little bit. So when I first heard about you, um, I heard about like your time at Drift and our MD, he's like, I really like how Drift was doing their social back when Sarah was there. So you've been a little bit of a legend basically since like my first week at Six and Flow. So shout out to to all the folks who have mentioned you. Um, But yeah, I'd love to know a bit more about what you were doing previously at Drift aside from my creeping that I've done for work and stuff. If you could tell us a little yeah, bit about that. I, uh, <laughs> I kind of bounced around a bit when I was at Drift. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up having like five or six different managers in like the two, almost three years that I was there. Um, okay. All good, all good managers though. I, I liked all of them. <laughs> that was yeah, good. That was um, good. I, um, so I started on the support team um, and I was like the first support person and then learned everything there was to know about the product at that time. So I moved over to the marketing team to basically be the person who ran Drift for Drift, which was very meta, but a really cool opportunity because I got to be customer zero essentially and like test everything out and break everything and still maintain a really close relationship with the product team that I had built when I was on the the support side, which I really valued because I love technical things. I love being able to speak the language of someone who uh, can create something on the internet. I think that's a really cool superpower to have. Um, sure. and I didn't want to lose that. And so the marketing team at Drift was very content and brand focused. And my role kind of was more on the demand gen side. So I moved over to this team called Growth that was very um, experimental. And we did a lot of things. I was the only marketer on the team. Mm-hmm. And the other members of the team were three engineers, two backend engineers, one front end engineer and a product manager. So we kind of operated like a product team and it was really interesting. We worked wow. in like sprints and we worked in experiments. And then that experiment kind of took a different direction. And by that time, the marketing team had a proper demand gen function. So I moved back to the marketing team. Uh, and this whole time I was still running Drift for Drift on top of doing a lot of other like inbound conversion experiments. So I was essentially... Um, in charge of anyone who came to the website, them giving us their email. So um, I did a ton of multivariant testing on a few different pages of the website um, and continued our use of Drift. And that whole Mm -hmm. time period, I was also helping um, pre and post sale, just talking to prospects and customers about how they could use Drift, uh, what they can do once they become a customer uh, and like all the the cool mad scientist things that you can do with technology. Um, And so that was just like, additional to my job was just also being that kind of spokesperson for the product to prospects and customers. Wow. So I would definitely say that in your current role and also in your time of Drift, like such a cross-functional, like such cross-functional work that you're doing and getting exposure to so many different things. And I think that's really incredible, especially like earlier on in your career to just get so much exposure to, yeah, what different folks are doing and how that plays into your role and like helps you to understand mm-hmm. kind of your day-to-day so that's that's really awesome and like yeah. how you were talking about the growth team there I've never heard of one 
that's like sh- that was structured or is structured in that way so I think that's really cool too that you have like such a different take on what a growth team can look like yeah yeah that was under the the watchful eye of Guillaume Caban who is known for just being a mad scientist so we were just <laughs> like we know that you know what you're doing so you just let us know what we should be doing yes um and then kind of like when you kind of look at your two roles like then at Drift well even though you're moving around and now at Alice do you find that there's any crossover in terms of what you were applying before to what you're applying now? I think so. I think uh, at Drift, I was learning about marketing in a very specific environment. And at Mm -hmm. Alice, I'm learning more about like what quote unquote normal marketing is. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Not every every single person in an organization is going to be ready and willing to um, like post on social and write Mm -hmm. their own captions and need just one reminder um, and not any like hand-holding. And so I think um, on the Alice side, I'm kind of, I'm seeing the crossover in the sense of like, I'm helping to activate the entire team uh, and doing a lot of internal marketing, whether that's uh, through one-on-one conversations or um, across like whole organization uh, meeting. But I think the internal piece and being like the, essentially the internal hype man is something that I love to do. So I wanted to bring that to Alice and running social and also helping with the promotion and distribution of content helps just like help me do that. <laughs> so That's I get awesome. to kind of get people amped about what marketing's doing, but also like what the product team has created and what the engineering team has created and this uh, and like the BDRs who are crushing it and all, and all that fun. I like to mm-hmm. let people know that their colleagues are actually doing good work because <laughs> sometimes it's hard when you're working especially remotely Mm -hmm. uh, but also like in your own little world of whatever department you're in it's hard to know uh, exactly what other people are up to and being that person who's like oh this could actually fit really really nicely into this new CS initiative or sales initiative or whatever Um, that's really fun and I love doing that because I also love helping people because I love external validation that's honest and i i could appreciate that for sure and yeah i think that's something that a lot of teams or organizations can struggle with is like finding that alignment alignment piece and really understanding yeah what other folks are doing in different departments and how that really can impact their role in terms of either maybe filling a knowledge gap or you know just maybe answering questions um that they haven't previously had the resource to answer correctly or adequately so i think it's cool that you're kind of that linchpin that can really, you know, inform folks about um, what's really going on in the different departments. And then, of course, getting the deserved validation that you receive. Um, and then I keep asking people that, are, that come on, you know, what made them want to go into marketing. But I feel like I shouldn't ask that because maybe some folks, like maybe that's not what they wanted to do. So I will instead ask you um, why you've decided to stay in marketing now that you've been in in a couple of roles um in your career yeah I think that's a really interesting question I really like it (laughs) I like that I get to be I like that I get to use my left brain and my right brain I like that marketing now is not only analytic not only creative but also analytical I think for a while uh people saw marketing as like the the art department a little bit Uh, right and like they're just yeah they're doing the blog and social media and like they make us look nice whereas now I think 
uh, especially with having more experience in demand gen, seeing that we can be creative and we can do really cool shit. And we can also directly tie that to money that we put in into the business. And I love that because it makes you feel stickier when you can see that you're you're making a business money. But it also mm-hmm. is fulfilling to be able to use both sides of, a, of your brain like that. So I don't feel like I'm uh, too skewed to one side and only analyzing data all day and not getting it, getting the ability or the op- opportunity to mm-hmm. take those learnings and apply them and uh, change and do something else. Um, and I also don't feel like I only create all day and don't get to analyze. So it's, wow. it's really cool. And that's kind of how my brain works too, is like, I like to have a math problem where there's a correct answer, but I also like mm-hmm. to have a philo- philosophical discussion. And so I think I get to exercise both parts of my brain that way doing marketing. Wow. That's such a powerful response. And I've never heard marketing kind of referred to as a way to use your left brain and your right brain. But yeah, I think now even thinking about myself in marketing, I love the creative side of it, but I do want to know, you know, the outputs, whatever it is that we're releasing as a team, what that means for the business and like really being able to like look at the numbers and not just look at them, but understand them. And then, you know, from there being able to make decisions as to what, what could be next. Right. So I think it helps me to, yeah, to really think about projects that I want to execute on, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, testing and maybe not even having, you know, data that shows that something's worked previously, but it's so great to see and understand what's working well and what you can improve upon based on data and, and results, direct results. So I totally get that. And then you've kind of touched on, on like all the different areas of marketing that you've, you know, been able to touch and, and things that you love about it. Um, but in terms of what you've done so far, and even maybe what you want to try in the future for marketing, what area or areas of marketing do you like the most or are you most interested in and why? Yeah, I think so. My role currently wasn't fully focused on demand gen. In fact, it was really focused more on like that top of funnel engagement mm-hmm. and top of funnel awareness, even just like getting people to know the name Alice and how it's spelled. <laughs> Uh, because it's with a Y, not an I. Um, (laughs) And I really liked that that was very creative. uh, And it was a a part of my role at Drift that kind of existed on the side, Mm -hmm. but wasn't really my full job. So I was really excited to explore that part of marketing and uh, create the voice and create the the tone for the business, Mm -hmm. uh, not just on social media, but like on the website and like how we write emails and the nurture programs that we have. And and that's all kind of interconnected. Right. However, I was missing that analytical uh, revenue, like tracking my actions back to revenue mm-hmm. uh, activity that I, that I got a lot of at my time at Drift. We were a very numbers driven organization towards the end of my time there on the demand gen side. And okay. uh, that was a little bit too much of one direction. This was another like too much of the other direction. Mm-hmm. And now I think my role is kind of evolving into this like account-based customer engagement type of role where I am focused on building essentially a community of people who love our product and who use it. And right. that's not only the giving me the ability to be super creative, 
but also the ability to run programs mm-hmm. and then measure those programs and then see if it drove the results that we wanted or if it didn't. Uh, right. All while I get to talk to people internally and externally because I'm a huge people person. I love talking to people, even if they're not having the best day. Like I being having experience in support and retail and food service, like I can, I can talk people down, reassure them that they're going to be okay. <laughs> and so I really like having that be a part of my job is communication externally and communication internally. Um, and skewing too far one way or the other just mm-hmm. makes me a little off balance. So that is a really long-winded way of saying I like small startup teams <laughs> where I kind of have a very wide lane and can mm-hmm. do a lot within the confines of like a specific area focus, but right. still uh, the box is quite big that I put myself into. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree that yeah, I've really enjoyed being on small teams as well. And I think that gives you like a certain advantage in terms of being able to pivot quickly and you can test things a lot and break things and start over and, and take those learnings and apply them. Or as folks say, fail fast or however you want to look at it. Um, I do still think there is opportunity like that on larger teams, but I think at the same time, like things can move a lot slower because of like bottlenecks that arise. And of course, like there should be some sort of due process, but I think, yeah, being on a smaller team, you have that flexibility to really experiment and try new things. And yeah, you can be in your one area, but doesn't mean that you can't actively learn about other areas. And I, I really appreciate that about marketing for sure. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we're on here, I think you talk about meta things that are happening. So we're on a podcast right now. Um, and for folks who don't know, you also have a podcast um, called Self Control and Cheese, uh, which I personally listened to. I heard about it from one of my colleagues, Lua. Um, she, as I was mentioning to you before the call, um, she had brought it up on one of our team meetings, and I was looking for new podcasts to listen to, mostly with, you know, the idea in mind of like how to get one started on our end, and just in general looking for a different way to take in information and be entertained, other than looking at a screen after looking at my smaller screen for the workday. So would love to hear more about that kind of, you know, what made you folks want to start that you have a co-host, um, you know, who your audience is, those kinds of things, things you've learned along the way as you've started it. Love you could share a bit. For sure. So yeah, um, the podcast is, yeah, you said self-control and cheese. We started it. The seed was planted by someone who actually ended up being a guest on the podcast. Um, but I had been posting on LinkedIn, just like thoughts and um, ideas and just like opinions on mm-hmm. how career growth is perceived and also taught, uh, especially in tech that right. comes from a very, very biased view and a very white male sort of view right. <laughs> and doesn't really apply to most people and is kind of crusty and just like not real. Um, they don't really, people generally don't really talk about like hard things, uh, what it feels like when you're going through periods of growth, which is very uncomfortable and feels like you're doing everything wrong. Um, and so I started just like talking more about that. This guy reached out to me and he's like, Hey, you should like put your, your ideas somewhere where you own them, like in a Mm -hmm. audio video written sort of format. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to like 
record myself saying these things <laughs> on video because I would not like that. And I right. don't really want to write a blog or anything because I don't love long form content, but like a podcast could be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. And I had happened to come across Bridget in a few like marketing Slack channels and her company, her previous company, G2, and my previous company, Drift, were like kind of friends. And so okay. our, our paths had crossed and we ended up chatting and turns out we are, we share a brain. And that was really cool. <laughs> like we think the same way and have a lot of the same opinions mm-hmm. um, and and have seen pretty, pretty quick career growth in our time uh, being an adult. And so we have a lot of ideas and thoughts and opinions. And we decided one day on like a Sunday that we were going to start a podcast together. And then a month later, our first episode was released. And so wow, we generally are talking about things that things that like 20 to 30 something should know uh, or be reminded of, mm-hmm. especially in your career growth process. But we also take a very like conversational approach where we just, we just vibe. <laughs> it's true. Um, and, and it's really fun. And we, we're trying to talk about shit that no one talks about at work. That's like our whole thing. Yeah, it really um, is awesome. Um, just like the, <laughs> the vibe that you guys have. And yeah, just like feels like you're just like maybe a fly on the wall to like two friends at work that have the break room to themselves and they're just like yeah talking about the things that you know they may not be talking about with the larger group but they've kind of found each other that's like how it comes across to me as a listener so it's cool to be in charge of something where you're the only people in charge of it like there isn't uh there isn't anyone we have to run our ideas past besides ourselves and we usually are very supportive of the other we yeah, we haven't had a disagreement about the other person's ideas. So that's really cool. And then we just talk to, we sometimes talk to other people. Like we sometimes have guests on, but it's not like a guest centric sort of podcast. It's more right. so just like if we find someone who says some dope shit can teach us something and has like similar, a similar attitude about things to us, like mm-hmm. we get them on and we have a conversation. We ask them a ton of questions and then we listen <laughs> and then they school us on stuff. And it's cool. That's what I've I found that I'm enjoying the most about this too because obviously like I'm in conversation with you and other people that come on but um, I don't only get to kind of give my two cents on you know something that I think about in marketing or whatever the case is but as I'm listening back or just even in this conversation like I'm learning so much about what other people are doing and that marketing is very much not linear and like just because I've been in like one or two areas that that's not all there is to it. And I've just learned so much over the last few weeks um, about what other people are doing and the possibilities that you can have in, in a marketing role. So yeah, it's cool that you get schooled, but also can school. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> so you said that you, um, you've uh, crossed paths with Bridget, your co-host. Have you met her mm-hmm. in real life or just no. on the internet, internet we- friends? We're just internet friends. We've never like been in the same room. We may have like been in the same user like conference once when those were a thing, but like we didn't know each other. So yeah, we've wow. never like been able to hug. <laughs> wow. And then you guys will have the self-control and she's world tour. What in the post COVID world. And go yeah, do... catch us in 2025. Yeah. Coming to a city near you. <laughs> Doing speaking engagements. It'll be so good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's good though, that you've like, even though you haven't met in real life, it, like when you listen to you guys, it feels like you guys have known each other for so long that you guys are like close friends. But there's different levels of friendship, especially now you have to you have to get creative in building relationships. Yeah. So 
that's really awesome to hear um in terms of marketing and like predictions that you might have other than getting together in 2025 for in-person events um do you have any predictions around marketing or even just business this year based on trends you've seen like i know you're really current and up to date on a lot of things but is there anything that you're like either hopeful about or you can really see um yeah emerging as kind of the front runner in marketing this year i think people are gonna start uh actually talking to their customers instead of just emailing them i think that would be cool but i think uh, (laughs) there's been a huge focus on like empathy but also like uh it's been really apparent that having a having a an engaged community is the biggest differentiator that you could possibly have as a business because everyone's features are the same and everyone's positioning is the same and the minute you have some sort of some sort of anything different uh your competitor can just do it because you already laid the foundation for it but what they can't take from you is a community of raving fans that you've actually spent time and effort cultivating and talking Mm. to and so it's one of those things where like we've gotten to the point where everything can be automated uh where it's not impressive anymore and what is impressive now is actually being real people (laughs) who um like who who do the things that don't scale like we've come all the way full circle back to like the 80s relationship era of like we're essentially meeting with you in your living room just mm-hmm. virtually. Um, and that kind of humanizes everyone. And so the people who take that as an opportunity to be personable and bring like humor and personality back into being a business mm-hmm. is, is going to be like the aha moment, I think for a lot of companies who are struggling maybe to like build that quote unquote brand or like figure out what their differentiator is. It's like, your people can be your differentiator um, and the way that they talk 100%. to your customers can be a differentiator um, and the way that your customers feel when they experience your product, but also experience your uh, marketing and sales process and customer success process can also mm-hmm. be a differentiator. Um, and I think that's going to be cool because like, I don't know, people are generally good. <laughs> yes. And, and so bringing that back into a business setting will I think be the empathy, the em- yeah, it'll like the empathy era maybe is what we'll see. That Ooh. could be cool. I would enjoy that. <laughs> the empathy era. That's definitely going in the show notes. <laughs> Ooh, that is fun. awesome. Point it. I like it. You've given so many good terms, left and right brain, empathy era. This is crazy. This is awesome. Um, Yay. And, yeah, and I, and I completely agree with that. I think it's so easy and even in a way can feel passive to just send out yet another email. Um, and I was talking about this as well with um, someone else that came on and just, it's so intangible in a way. It's not really, it doesn't feel personal and people are just so inundated with things that are coming through digitally, whether it be a newsletter or, you know, a, any sort of electronic communication or just even, you know, being on Zoom and things like that. And I think people are looking for something else um as a way to experience yeah a brand or a company or someone that they're associated with in a business sense and obviously like having conversations like it will still probably come down to being on the phone or being on zoom but 
you shouldn't just be checking in with your customers when you need something for them or it's time for them to renew or anything like that. Like it's nice to just have those conversations that can still have a purpose behind them, even if the purpose is just like keeping your brand top of mind and yeah, just really building real relationships with them. Because I think in a long-term sense, that's so much better for your business, whether it be growing that relationship with that customer that is in question that you're speaking with or them saying, well, I've had a really good experience and you know, they're making those referrals. And I don't think that referrals should be underestimated. So I definitely think that would be something um, that people would appreciate. And I do hope that we see more of that this year because as much as people are like, Oh, it's the new year, you know, new us, like we haven't really, (laughs) um, we haven't really moved on from, you know, the impacts of last year in particular. And, you know, a lot of people are still recovering or will, you know, down the line experience, you know, the aftermath of things that are coming from the pandemic. So I think it's important to just don't just try to do things like business as usual because it's it's not that way anymore. And people do want that kind of personal empathetic connection, I think, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, 100% agree with you there. Love it. Yeah. Vibing. We're vibing here. <laughs> We're vibing. It's happening. Do you feel it? I do. I do. <laughs> Um, so outside of work, like I know you have the podcast going and that's not something that you do for work, but is there anything else outside of work that you do to improve your craft in marketing, either directly or indirectly? I try not to only digest like business and marketing content because then you want to pull your hair out and, and nothing's fun anymore. (laughs) Um, so I've started to, when I was young, I was a huge reader uh, going back to my middle, my middle child persona, I was mm-hmm. one of those unproblematic middle children, not the problematic ones. So like, oh, good. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would like sit in the living room reading while my sisters were like having fights with my parents. Um, you know, just, <laughs> just middle child thing. And so right. I was like a huge reader. And then all of a sudden, I was told that like, by just like, I don't know, the marketing world that like, you need to only read business books. And that just like killed a part of my soul. <laughs> so I, totally I stopped only reading business books. I've stopped reading business books altogether, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been like, I listen to podcasts uh, from people who I know, like, and trust in like the marketing and, and career growth world. But then right. I save that activity of reading for pleasure. Like I am reading fiction and I'm reading like, a dope book on a Greek goddess right now. It's called Ooh. Thirsty. Ten out of ten would recommend. Oh, okay. Nice. And and reading fiction and reading b- books that are not business focused help you become a better storyteller anyway. So like inherently, you're you're getting better at the thing that you want to get better at if you mm-hmm. don't make everything that you do extracurricularly about your craft because then you won't ever be able to apply the learnings. Uh, you'll just come up with a new idea that you have to execute and then not be able to I don't know perfect and yeah so I listen to podcasts but then I also like turn my brain off and mm-hmm. that helps me stew on things and helps me put ideas into context uh, and also gives me a way to think outside of the usual box because I think in marketing uh, there will always be always be new tools that you are supposed to know and supposed to be able to optimize mm-hmm. but like the thing about marketing is the people who have really good ideas are always going to be good at marketing, regardless of if they know how to use tools or not. And so I try and find ways to get ideas from 
non uh like unusual places Ooh. yeah like look at some og youtubers who have like been youtubing since 2013 and they still have like 500,000 views on every single video or like a million views on every single video like what have they done to stay relevant for the past eight years you know like has it been eight I just did that really that really quick math but like they can teach me more about a like a a, an evergreen content strategy than some people who have written books on it 100% it's so true um what you said about like not reading business books I feel like especially when you enter tech it's like it's such a part of like the onboarding they always have something that they're suggesting for you and like trainings or whatever the case is like oh like you should read this like it'll make you better at your job um which might be the case like it might help you especially if you're like fresh into whatever field it is but especially now that we're all or a lot of us I should say are at home working and it's already kind of hard to switch your brain off from work you don't need to fill your free time with work-related things as well I think yeah so I think also mm -hmm. there are like there are like six business books that everyone refers back to just read those six like you don't have to read the other ones and even like the greats like Cialdini's principles of influence you can just read the first five pages of every chapter and you'll get it like you don't have to read every single thing that he says because it's really just he's just elaborating on the original idea that he introduces in the first five pages of each chapter so pro tip out there (laughs) (laughs) pro tip for you yeah get pages (laughs) but yeah like I don't know they there are a lot of people are out there repeating the grades um, yes. and just you read the grades and you'll get the gist and then you can like go back and reread those at different points in your career and it'll hit differently. Um, but then I don't think that you need to obsess over reading the next amazing book on the next way to think about marketing because mm-hmm. it'll be helpful for sure. And I think you should have that context of your industry, but like also turn your brain off, <laughs> go yeah. watch some YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Big time. It's important to have, um yeah just outlets and hobbies and that's been something I've been talking about with folks as well just like yeah what are you doing after the workday is over release kind of any tensions that you're feeling or you know whatever it might be and yeah for me I think reading has I've really gotten back to into it as well just because I haven't been wanting to do anything like related to screens after the workday like as as little as possible trying to like limit that time because it's just so hard on your body um But reading can be that way too, but I'm like, I want to read for like half an hour a day and then I'm just like, that's my time to just kind of think about something else and kind of, you know, have that moment of escapism kind of getting lost in whatever it is that I'm reading. So that's one big one for me. Um, And then also I've been into listening to podcasts, one to get inspiration, which I guess is is still work related, but I'm just in general new to listening to podcasts, but I'm not listening to necessarily just like marketing podcasts, just like something different that yeah, I just like the content or, you know, I like the feel or I like how they've edited it or whatever. So, but it's a great way to just like sit there and just listen to something else and take in information in a way that, yeah, isn't just so as prescriptive as the great business books. So I totally agree there. Yes. Love it. Yes. Um, besides not um, being always on, do you have any other advice or wisdom that you'd want to share with the marketing community in terms of what you've learned or even what you hope to learn? Um, we're not saving the world. <laughs> our jobs aren't life or death. Yes. And we take ourselves really seriously and we don't have to all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's 
that's okay because that's healthy and that's how like normal people should like even those who are very ambitious and take their careers very seriously like mm-hmm. we're also not uh everything that we do is made up we're making it up so like you don't have to stress about an email going out one day instead of the another day because mm-hmm. we're living in a simulation anyway <laughs> but <laughs> but also like the world's not going to end if you send it an hour late or another day late like it's going to be okay uh and i think marketers love to talk about how important our job is and i think yes like we had the power to influence human psychology and human behavior which is like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> that's dope um but yes. also it's it's fine if what you're doing isn't groundbreaking or the thing that you thought was going to rock didn't end up rocking um because in the end of the day like we're just people trying to get other people to do something and like right. and, we, and they don't have to do that thing and if if we release that pressure from ourselves but also from like the the community of marketing i think we'll have mm-hmm. a lot more fun i think so like, too i think we just we're really serious and we just like hate when other people try and like tell marketing teams what to do like we wouldn't tell like a plumber how to do his job like you can't tell us how to do our job but it's like it's fine it's gonna be okay yeah we're still we're still doing dope shit and we still get to get to turn ideas into reality and that rocks and so if it doesn't happen on the day you thought it was gonna happen like that's okay yeah try again next time push it out the next day exactly it's totally fine (laughs) it's true i like this i like that you're just chill about it and at the end of the day like sometimes you take that extra day or you step back from that thing and it ends up being better than you would have done in the first place so sometimes you just need to yeah just see the positive side of that and doesn't it's not that serious yeah like it's okay my little sister's a nurse she deals with people's lives we deal with people's emails it's different we're different (laughs) yeah her job serious actually saving lives (laughs) yeah our job definitely less though for sure yeah man no i and i think there's definitely like some sort of fear as well i don't even think just in marketing but just folks that are working right now in general um just like the pressure to still you know do as exceptionally as you were previously like even though there's so many other factors weighing on the way you view things or you know mental health is you know people have mental health issues and that they're trying to work through especially like having to adapt to this new way of being like maybe some folks are living alone whatever the case is and just like this pressure to always be on and like always do the best job and always be inspired it's like i think there's fear because some folks are like if i don't do well then there'll be a consequence or you know people have been losing their jobs and things like that but fundamentally in marketing yeah like you said it's it's not that serious and yeah we need to still be fun because if the stuff we're putting out is serious and boring people are not going it's not going to resonate with people at least like not over the long term people want things that will make them happy want things that are appealing want things that are different so we have to be relaxed in order to deliver on that as well yeah i actually i was listening to a podcast last night plug um (laughs) skim from the couch it's from the the women founders of uh the skim just like the right the founders of the skim they just also so happen to be women um and they sit down with other women who are just freaking rocking it uh, but they sat down with these two researchers from Stanford University who Ooh. talk and research about humor in the workplace and how, uh, huh. especially in, from like a leadership perspective, but also just like from a business perspective, mm-hmm. uh, that authenticity of like being a person and like being real, accepting your pros and your cons is what 
builds trust and um, what builds engagement. It's not like you don't have to be professional all the time in order to gain respect. In fact, people will respect you more if you show that other side of you. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, obviously, make sure that it's appropriate for work. Um, And uh, the higher up you go in terms of your status in an organization, like the more you should be aware of the kind of humor that you bring to the workplace. But Mm -hmm. it should still be there. And it doesn't mean that you have to be funny, but it means that like you can you can make hard situations a little bit more lighthearted and you can be a person and accept that what you do isn't going to be perfect and like let people see that side of you. And and that's what is that's what makes teams like build affinity towards working for a company and what makes customers also mm-hmm. like being a customer of a company is because they feel like they're a part of it or they feel like they get it like they're in on it wow i'll have to check that one out too because that sounds like a really interesting episode and i do think it's important to yeah you don't always have to be funny but just like have that humor and and you know you don't have to you can show the cracks in your armor basically when you're at work Um, and I think that's so important, especially on a team. Like, I feel like with my team, we definitely have that. Like most of the time, like things are, you know, okay to good personally, but at least we talk about, you know, like how are you doing really? Or, you know, we're fine to really be honest and be real with each other about what's going on if we're feeling overwhelmed. And I feel like I've never really had that in a work environment. And I think it's so important to know that because like, I think inherently we know that things aren't always perfect, but then if you're mm-hmm. in an environment, especially with work, where like no one ever shows the cracks in their armor, it can be hard to be your authentic self and yeah. you know, really just be open about how things are. And I think it's better to be open, especially if things aren't going so well or like, you know, you're struggling with something so that way you can actually get that help and support and then things don't, it doesn't create like a larger problem. Totally. So Totally. The last thing that I would like to know from you today, obviously I feel like we'll definitely have conversations in the future um but i'd love to know yes we will i'd love to know um where you see yourself not necessarily in like five years or anything like that but what are you hoping to do um next in your career what is something that you know you're hoping to check off of that milestone list for yourself at any point in time i want to be a people manager um i want to uh yeah like have a team that i am in charge of because i think uh Marketing wise, there are definitely still things that I can learn and concepts that are more complicated that I and problems that I would get to solve. But I think being able to also at the same time be challenged by a team and have that additional uh, dichotomy of being a team member and a coach at the same time mm-hmm. would be really interesting and exciting and uh, a cool next step. Um, I think in five years, I hope that I have a few years under my belt being a people manager. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that there's uh, like direct authority and then indirect leadership where um, direct authority is like you are given the title of manager, VP, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But then indirect leadership is like you can inspire and motivate people to do things. So it's not like you work for me, I can fire you, but like mm-hmm. I want to to do good by Sarah like that's I want to have both (laughs) but I really want to have uh like like have the strength and the muscle of indirect leadership 
that I have, I think. I think we all have it, but it's small right now for me. <laughs> yeah, something to to grow and stretch and, and yeah. challenge over time. I think you'd be a great um, people manager. Like, I can tell that, like, you're just a people person. I know you've mentioned yeah, like it, but people. I can also see that as well as an unbiased third party. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, just, like, you talking about your roles, um, at least some of them, like, just so much variety. And I think with variety comes new viewpoints and ways of approaching things, which I think for folks, especially if they're newer in marketing, like, they can get a lot from that having a leader that's, you know, been in different areas and experienced different things and seeing how the pieces can fit together. So I wish you luck on that journey. Thank you.